As we continue on in our series in the book of Romans, as we're doing this morning, we're going to turn to Scripture and read together from Romans chapter 13. Romans 13. And there we read, picking up in verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval." For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself." Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Amen. And we ask that God will bless the reading of His words this morning. Just before we stand together and sing again and then come to God's Word, and consider these challenging verses uh, to us this morning. We're going to pray together for ourselves and for our wider world. So let's join together in prayer. Let's pray together as we come to God's Word. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your Word this morning. These are challenging words that we've read, and so we ask that you would give us understanding. Help us to know, Lord, not just the details of this chapter of Romans, but Lord, help us to understand it, appreciate it, apply it to our lives, that we might be transformed through the renewing of our minds and be sent out to live our lives in light of what you have surely said. Lord, we ask your blessing upon us all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I was at the football yesterday. Uh, It was a a home match at Livingston. We were playing St. Mirren, and each week 
I get along to uh, some training midweek. I hasten to add, I don't do any training. I observe the training happening in other people. That's the best way to engage in training, to watch other people do it. Um, And then when it's a home game, I get along to the home game. And this is essentially my um, contribution to the club in terms of supporting the players and the staff as their chaplain. It's really interesting to, to be the chaplain of um, a, a sports club, particularly a competitive sports club. One of the things that you notice is when you go along on match day, that obviously um, whilst you and all the home fans are there, the uh, opposing team have their fans with them, and also the board uh, of St. Mirren on, uh, on Saturday were along, and they get, receive hospitality in the, uh, in the stadium, as is right. And you're having pleasant conversation before the match, all the while thinking, I really hope your team loses today, but trying to be civil and polite to them as as far as possible, aware they're thinking exactly the same thing to you. But after the match is finished, there isn't really a question. Somebody's won and somebody's lost. I suppose you could get a draw. But um, on Saturday, yesterday, regretfully, um, Livingston had lost. And so you have this slightly awkward situation in the boardroom after the match, because everybody wants to, for some reason, loiter together at the end of the match and exchange pleasantries. And as the the team who's just lost, you're aware that you're trying to be as charitable as possible to the people that you almost certainly hate with a real passion now, because they've injured your chances of survival as a football club. And so you're trying to be polite and civil. And for their part, the St. Mirren board are trying to be Um, quite self-effacing and not make too much of the fact that they would quite happily dance around the board table because they've won and you've lost and that's the best result they could have hoped for. And it's hilarious to watch people try and be humble and try and be kind under these circumstances when really what we should all do is just go home and not speak to each other. But that for some reason isn't what happens. It's nice to be nice, I suppose. It's difficult in that setting when you are a visiting fan, a visiting board member, to be present in this alien environment and live consistently with your purpose, which is to be all about your team winning when everyone around you doesn't want that one thing. They want the exact opposite on that day. It's a challenge that, I have to say, the St. Mirren board managed to negotiate very well yesterday, and they were very humble in victory. They had much to be humble about, to be fair, but they were very humble uh, in their victory, and and we were very gracious in defeat, I would hasten to add. There was no shouting and screaming and throwing things across the table. But it's a challenge that, as much as we observe it in others, we also experience as Christians. We live in a world in opposition to what we believe that Every moment of every day the world lives in opposition, wanting not just to deny what we believe, but wanting us to stop talking about it. And for preference, to stop living in light of it. If you want to live in light of your Christian faith, in light of your beliefs, in light of what Scripture teaches, the world says, then for heaven's sake, do it in private. Don't do it in public. Don't tell other people about it, and don't make people feel awkward about their lives. Just Live and let live with everybody else as they do with you. At least that's the theory. It's a challenge we face, isn't it? How do we live in this world that opposes everything we believe and not become like the world and at the same time manage to go on existing without antagonizing the world so much 
that we're all just immediately rounded up and shipped off to a colony somewhere or, or killed, as has happened many times in history. It's a challenge we all face, isn't it? And it's a challenge that Paul addresses in being honest with you, the most unusual way I can possibly imagine Paul using. Paul, in addressing this issue, raises two things in this passage for us to consider this morning. The second one, I think, we're broadly on board with, we can understand. We'll come to that in a few moments, but the first is very challenging for us. Paul says that if we are to live in this world but not be of this world, then we are to submit to the governing authorities around us. Now, that sounds to me like it makes no sense. If you want to live in the world but not be of it, then submitting to worldly authorities sounds like the very last thing that you should be doing. However, we understand that Paul isn't an idiot and has laid out for us in this chapter um, a very helpful means of negotiating this particular conflict that we face, where we recognize that Christ has already won a victory over sin and death, a victory over this world. And yet we must go on living in this world that continues as if it is in fact winning. It has won. So we submit to the governing authorities, Paul says in the first seven verses. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Now, this is deeply challenging to Christians in Paul's day because the Christian world in Paul's day is living under the emperor Nero. Now, Nero at this point hadn't devolved into the full insanity of the end of his reign where he just openly had people slaughtered in the streets and burned alive and so on, and yet persecution is beginning to be felt by the church. Even in these early years when the apostles are still alive in this first century of the church's existence. And so it sounds strange that Paul should say the very authority that is clamping down on us and our worship and our whole way of life, we should submit to that authority. And yet that's what he says. He goes further than that. He says, This authority which you believe stands in complete opposition to God has actually been appointed by God. Sounds crazy, but Paul's point is actually quite clear, and it comes straight from the mouth of Jesus in the Gospels. Jesus has said the same thing numerous times, and in our prayer meeting on Wednesday night as we've gone through Matthew's Gospel, quick plug, it would be great for you to come along to that here in the building, half past seven on Wednesday nights, to participate in that. Jesus has been addressing this very issue of living in the world with authorities that tell you to do the wrong thing, with a greater authority over them, the Roman Empire, that takes your tax money and then uses it to oppress you and your family. And Jesus says the same thing Paul does. You pay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. You do what the government is asking you to do. You submit to its authority in recognition that God has appointed this authority over you. He goes on to say in verse 2, Paul says in verse 2, therefore whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. That sounds unbelievable. Again, it just makes things worse. And what Paul is doing here, just to clarify, is he's trying to ensure that the church doesn't fall 